0: All right, welcome to the More Success Team Call. Our fearless leaders, Jeremy and Stephanie, are at one of their kids' uh, sporting events this evening. And so they asked me to uh, host the call this evening. And so you're stuck with me for the rest of the evening. Um, One of the things we're going to talk tonight about is, is philosophies. And I've got an awesome little video I'm going to share with you. And I want your input. So I'm giving you fair warning right now. I'm going to ask for participation in the second half of the call. And uh, so if you don't have something to take notes on, right now would be the time to line that up and be ready to share feedback on what we're going to be uh, talking about. A little bit of recognition once again. Um... Production-wise, the top uh, number six producer in the entire company this last week, um, Nicole Romilly. Congratulations, Nicole, our newest $100,000 ring earner, killing it, still foot on the gas, but all doing an awesome, awesome job. So congratulations to her. And to get into the information that uh, we're going to be covering tonight um, we're going to be talking about what wealthy people do. And I learned, uh, I learned a long time ago. I did four network marketing companies before Legal Shield, and I failed miserably at all four of those companies. In fact, to be completely transparent, I never even made back my investment to get into any one of those companies. So if it was a five hundred dollar buy-in. I never made a $500 in commission. If it was a $100 buy-in, I never even made a hundred bucks getting into those companies. But some people, may, some people may ask, well, if you kept getting your butt kicked in each one of those companies, why'd you keep getting in more and more of them? Like you're a pretty slow learner, aren't you? Yes, yes, I am. Um, but in each one of those companies, I failed by measuring how much money I made. But in each one of those companies, here's something I did pick up. A little bit of personal development, some relationships with people that later in life would come back around and serve me, mentoring and coaching from people who We're making a lot of money, which is what I wanted to make. But we know that old saying that you are the average of the five closest people that you hang out with. You know, you take the five closest people to you that you spend the most time with, add up their bank account totals, divide it by five. And that's probably what's in your bank account. Well, at the time, um, my five closest centers of influence friends that I hung out with were all broke. And if you did the math and multiplied broke times five and then divided that by five, you found out what was in my bank account. I was broke too. I was in a really bad spot. Um, But here's what happened. I started hanging out with these people that said, here's a good book. Here's a good video. Um, And I had, I, hadn't, I was, you know, in my mid-20s, I had not read a book since the 10th grade. So we'd gone, you know, uh, about a dozen years with me reading absolutely nothing at all. And all of a sudden they're saying, hey, read this. And my life didn't change overnight from reading, but it shifted a tiny bit. And then I'd read another book or hang out with someone and it'd shift a little bit. And then, you know, I'd go to a convention or a Super Saturday or something like that and it'd shift a little bit. And eventually, you know, I started growing away from the old me. And an interesting thing happened years later when all of a sudden I had the six-figure ring and Legal Shield. I ran into one of my old high school buddies and it was like so cool catching up. It was like, dude, what is up? He'd tell me what he's doing in life, and how's the family, and everything else like that. And he's like, he knew I loved four wheeling. He's like, dude, we got to go four wheeling. I'm like, yeah, we do. Now, keep in mind, back in high school, if we went out riding, he covered his expenses, I covered mine. He covered his food, I covered mine. He covered his gas, I covered mine. And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, we got to go out riding we got to go do something. And and I'm like, yeah, we do. And uh, so anyhow, long story short. Financial wise, I was doing a lot better than him. And the expectation was, you need to cover all the expenses. So I'm driving the motor home. I'm pulling the trailer. I've bought all the four wheelers. We pull into the gas station. I'm dumping a few hundred dollars into fuel, filling everything up. And I just come from Costco where I bought the food for a week. And I'm like thinking at some point they're going to say, no, 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 let me. I got this. I got this. It's like I'm buying everything. And when we're sitting around the campfire in the evening and we're talking they were talking about how excited they were about a holiday that's coming up in 3 months that they have a paid day of free vacation they're like we got to do this again in september because i got labor day off i get paid for a day i don't go to work and i'm like thinking i'm getting paid every day that i'm out here and you're looking you're looking forward to one day on the calendar three months down the road and you're jacked up and excited about one day in the year that you're going to get paid for a day you didn't go to work and I'm like thinking sometimes this goes for weeks or months for for me it's hunting season I'm just gone and I realized me and you used to share the same philosophies we saw eye to eye on everything for years growing up through junior high and high school but something happened over the decade that we we didn't talk we didn't see each other we disconnected and here's what happened somebody introduced me to new philosophies and you don't realize the big change until all of a sudden after 10 years of thinking a new way you come back together with that friend that you used to think eye to eye with and you sit around the fire and after a few days you're just like I'm about ready to go crazy. I can't stand hanging out with this broke person. They're still a good person, but they are so small-minded and broke mentally. I'm struggling. This is not the friendship I had. I used to really enjoy time with this person and I don't enjoy hanging around broke people that feel entitled to other people's hard work. And so one of the movies that I saw almost 20 years ago that kind of got me on this path. I'm going to share with you guys tonight. Now, do not beat me up over the 4K high-definition graphics and, (laughs) and stuff like that. Don't beat me up. Pay attention to the message, okay? The message is what we're looking for. And then when we're done, I want your feedback on what you learned, so when you learn something, write it down. Why write it down? Because if you're just going to trust that it's going to stay here, it ain't going to. Write it down because now all of a sudden you saw it. That's one sense. You heard it. That's the second sense. But then you wrote it down. You're a lot more likely to now absorb it and start living it. So always be taking notes. That's why whenever I'm on a leadership call or something like that, I've got a book right here and I'm just taking I'm taking notes on what the other leaders are saying. What I'm learning helps me grow as a person. So if a guy without a high school diploma can figure out how to make a few million dollars in this business, it ain't because I had more training in school. It isn't because I got a PhD. It isn't because I'm better than anybody else. But I study wealthy people. I listen to wealthy people. I'm on their podcasts. I'm downloading their books. And this was just kind of a unique, fun video that I saw 20 years ago and I saved it. I still have it. And I have a sequel to his video. Maybe someday, if I'm ever hosting again, we might share it with you, the sequel. But we're gonna start with the first one. So with that said, let me grab the video and optimize screen share for video clip. I'm gonna hit that. Manly, you get, let me make sure, boom, a boom. Okay, view. We'll go
1: full screen. Hi, my name is Tim Sales. Do you know that there are very specific differences in what the poor, the middle class, and the wealthy buy with their money on payday? It's so simple yet so different it nearly knocked me out of my chair when I finally understood it. I'm going to show you exactly what I'm talking about and you can evaluate for yourself why the wealthy keep getting wealthier and the poor keep getting poorer and the middle class are stressed out. To understand this, I need to make sure you understand some basic business terms in the way that I'm using them. The words that you need to know are income, which means money you bring in, expenses, which means money you spend, assets, which is the most confusing one, and asset is defined as something that pays you. If you're an accountant or a financial planner, I just raised your eyebrows a little because the traditional definition of an asset is things you own. More on that in just a second. Liabilities is the last definition and is defined as things that cost you. A house is typically viewed as an asset, but can it actually be a liability? Yes. By the definition I used earlier, anything that costs you money is a liability, not an asset. But to answer your curiosity, yes, a house can be considered an asset. When is it an asset? When it pays you money. If you were to buy a house and rent it out, and it paid you a positive cash flow every month, that would then be considered an asset. One more time on the definitions, just to be very clear before we continue. Income is money you make. Expenses are money you spend. An asset pays you, and a liability costs you. Now let's look at what the poor buy on payday. On payday, the poor buy what I'm going to call stuff. What is stuff? Inexpensive things that people buy that they don't really need to survive. You go into someone's house and you can't find any counter or tabletop space in the whole house because of all the stuff on it. You can't find a single foot of white space on any wall in their house because of all the stuff that's hanging on it. Where did they get this stuff? They bought it at the flea market, at the garage sale, at the dollar store, at the craft show. Their house and their car is full and cluttered with stuff. So income comes in on payday and then goes straight out the expense column to buy stuff. The poor really never educate themselves on assets and liabilities. The poor justify their buying all of this stuff by claiming that it costs so little. Yes, it was very cheap, inexpensive, not a lot of money. But over the years, it's all they ever had. The problem is their income never produced or created more income. I know this group very well because this was me. This was the way I was raised. I in no way am cutting or undermining this group of people or any other group. I just see a lot of financial pain out there and it need not be that way. I only want to help you and hopefully you'll pass this information on to people you care about. Creating wealth is not a mystery. It's a formula. The only reason someone doesn't create wealth is because they don't know or don't apply the formula. Let's continue on and look at the middle class. The middle class is the group that society mistakenly thinks are the rich. They are not. Yes, they typically earn a six-figure income, but what they buy on payday keeps them prisoners of the middle class. What they buy on payday are liabilities. Remember the definition of a liability, things that cost you? By buying liabilities, the money gets pushed up and out their expense column. Liabilities are items like cars, boats, houses, airplanes, credit card debt. Let me explain the way this happens. On payday, the middle class make a nice big paycheck, let's say $15,000 for the month. They then split that down the middle and pay their monthly expenses with half and with the other half, they make a down payment on a new car. The car costs $7,000 down and after they tack on the insurance and the maintenance, that liability costs them 1100 new dollars every single month. A few months go by and they want a boat, then a vacation home, a Rolex watch on the credit card, a vacation on the credit card, and before you know it, their liabilities have raised the expense levels to near or above their income levels. They actually spend equal to or more than they make, meaning that they have to go to work and make a certain amount of money every single month because of their liabilities. The other important issue with both the poor and the middle class is that normally all of their income is dependent on their own effort, meaning they've educated themselves to exchange their knowledge and expertise for someone's money. Here's an example. An attorney is knowledgeable about law. So people pay him or her money in exchange for that knowledge on an hourly basis. The problem there is that if they're not, the attorney, sharing that knowledge with a client, then the attorney is not making any money. Their stress level is as tight as a piano string. And if you were to ask them to go to dinner with you, they very rarely can because of how much money it'll cost them to take that time off. On the surface, life is merry. The reality is that it's a roller coaster ride. That's the middle class. Now let's look at what the wealthy buy. On payday the wealthy buy assets. Again, an asset is something that pays you. If you want to become wealthy, buy assets that then earn you more income. The money wheel looks like this. Buy assets that produce cash. That then buy more assets that produce more cash. That then buy more assets that produce more cash. The wealthy spend their money and buy things that produce more money here's a couple of examples of assets that produce more income investments are the obvious stocks bonds real estate education is another asset if you learn how to do something and actually do it that produces more income that's buying an asset I heard a great expression once if you think education is expensive you should see how expensive stupidity is another example of assets you can buy that pay you is businesses especially those businesses that can create a passive income. Passive meaning that once you build it up, it pays you whether you're still building it or not. A little example is if you buy a pinball machine and put it in a barbershop, shop. You don't spend any of the profits. You save them until you can buy another pinball machine and put it in another barber shop. This, by the way, was Warren Buffett's first business. Warren Buffett, by the way, is one of the top two richest men in America. The wealthy are extremely eager to find those passive income businesses because it continues to pay them month after month, year after year, long after they've stopped working the business. That's actually the way I created my millions. I found a passive income business that I built up, and it continues to pay me month after month, year after year. I then took those profits and multiplied them in another passive money business, and then again in another. In conclusion, here's what I've learned. You can't find these passive money businesses unless you're open to hearing about them. Then once you find them, be willing to research them. The reason I say this is that I answered a hokey little ad that I ended up making a couple of million dollars from, simply because of that ad. So these businesses are out there, you just got to find them. You've also got to be educated enough that when the right situation does present itself, you don't miss it. So remember, the poor buy stuff, the middle class buy liabilities and the wealthy buy assets, preferably businesses that can create passive money. Then take that money and buy another asset that produces more money. That's the wealth creation formula. I sincerely hope that you've learned a couple of things from this explanation. I'm Tim Sale.
0: All righty. Hopefully, was everyone able to hear that okay? Okay. Oh, yeah. Good deal. Now is the feedback time. If you learned something new that you would like to share that you learned about that short little eight minute video, unmute your phone and share with us what you gathered from that. Uh, I found out that rich people hang out. Don't hang out
2: with people that aren't going in the direction you're wanting to go to get ahead. For, and wh- why start. not?
0: Why, why would rich people not hang out with people headed in the opposite
2: direction? Because they're not going to get the goal that they're, that they're after. I mean, they're obviously in the, um, they're not willing to go do what it takes to get what, what that person's uh, goal is in life, to get ahead. Financially, maybe,
0: or whatever that may be. Absolutely. Well, think about it. Let's say that you're someone that's trying to get really, really healthy. You're trying to eat right exercise and stuff like that would it make sense for you to be hanging out down at the donut shop with all your friends that are just eating like crap nothing wrong with donuts that was a bad example we should perfect
2: use perfect sense so um
0: was that jacob that was Okay, I can tell who you are just by your voice. What was that you said?
2: I said it makes perfect sense to hang out at the donut shop with your buddies eating donuts if you're trying to lose weight. You need four <laughs> or five of those things to lose any pounds.
0: Well I don't know what donuts you're eating.
2: <laughs> they ain't the ones that I've
0: been finding. <laughs> all right. What else did what else did you guys what else did you guys learn?
2: on. let you,
0: me go to Chuck Browning. I see Chuck Dr. Right, Browning. Yeah, I think we come out of, uh, you know, I'm a corporate, corporate America guy, you know, you come out of this month to month living and you don't, you can't compensate uh, when you do that. You think, well, I'm just going to build my month to month. Well, then you start spending that month to month and you have to maintain that month to month. You don't understand that that building wealth and owning your own business is, is that you can create those assets and you can own those. You've been drummed into you that, that you've got a paycheck. You know every other week, every month, and so forth like that. And you have to break that mold. And yes. it and, and if you've been in it a long time, you know, somebody told me one time if it took you five days to dig a hole, it takes you five days to fill it up, you know, and uh it, it takes a while. And and I think that's something that we have to work on, and like you said, through personal development, become different people and view it different ways. That was awesome. I like that. What you said. Awesome. All right, who else had something they learned on there?
2: right um, here. Dave, uh, I heard that assets put money in your pocket and my building
0: takes money out of your pockets. Yes. And, and keep in mind, how many of us grew up being taught that your home was an asset? Me? <laughs> it's not. No. All you got to do is look back a few years to 2008. <laughs> Ouch. When the real estate market collapsed and there was a whole lot of people that lost their ass in the real estate collapse. Now, by this definition, if it was something that was paying you money, why did you lose it? Because the truth is, it was a liability unless you owned it. In other words, the bank, it was paying the bank money wasn't paying you money, it was costing you a mortgage payment. And when you couldn't make the mortgage payment, it was gone. Now, could your home be an asset where you buy it and let's say the mortgage is $1,000 a month, but you're renting it out for $1,300 a month. Now, all of a sudden, you're taking the rent, you're paying the mortgage, but now it's giving you positive cash flow. Yes. Absolutely. So There are situations where your house is an asset but for the majority of the people out there, your house is a liability out there. Great comment. Let me get a couple more, who else learned something?
2: I think one of the key things I notice is uh, another way I've had it described to me is that the wealthy own their income in the middle class. You know, like he described it own liabilities in which case, like you said, your house, if you don't own it, is a liability. But if, you know, you own it as an income property, then that's a asset. You know, it makes a big difference. So one of the key things here is you have ownership of your income and you get directly back out of it what you put into it.
0: Bingo. Bingo. Here's one of the things I loved in there. If you think education is expensive, look how expensive stupidity is. How many, of, how many of us are related to that person? It's just like hand slap. Oh my gosh, that person is so stupid. You know, and, and they might have a good paying job and they can't for the life of them figure out how to get out of debt. Can I just say something? Nobody taught me anything about finances. And I was making six figure income in Legal Shield, and I was so in debt it would scare the crap out of you. I was six figures in debt and I was a six figure ring earner in legal shield, but I'd gone and built that brand new house. I would went and ordered that new car from the factory with all the whistles and bells. I'd went to Rockies and got a half a dozen custom suits done at 11, $1, 1200 bucks a piece. I felt like early on, I have to show my team that legal shield works. So
2: I got to just buy this and buy this and buy that. On top of that that point there real quick, if I may intercept. Yeah. Um, as I was watching it, one of the things that came to mind was some lyrics from a song called Where I Come From by Montgomery Gentry. It's just a country song, so don't bash me. But there was a line where kind of appeals to this. Let's see. Um, it says... Uh, That old man right there on the rocking chair at the courthouse square, I'll tell you now, he could buy your fancy car with $100 bills. Basically, the concept to bring to that is that although he has amassed this wealth, like you said you did, he turned that wealth into his asset to where that money either continued to work for him, gained interest, or made it to where his lifestyles didn't change. He was happy before the money, he's happy after the money in the same lifestyle. So instead of blowing it on, what'd you say? You said 12 suits, the fancy bells and whistles on the car, buying or building the new house. It's a concept of, can you comfortably do it while still continuing to be an asset?
0: Yeah, there's, don't get me wrong. There is absolutely nothing wrong. And thank you for those comments. There's nothing wrong with having nice cars, nice suits, Nice homes. I I wish that for everybody on this call, but live within your means so that you don't stress yourself out. One of the best things that ever happened to me is my family was introduced to a course called financial peace university taught by Dave Ramsey. I've taken it twice. I don't get I don't get paid for endorsing Dave Ramsey or Tim sales or anybody else, but going through and graduating from financial peace university was a paradigm shift for me on where we needed to be spending our money and to stop proving it to anybody. And within just a few years, we were completely debt-free minus our house. And, um, today I live completely different than how I lived back then. Now, do we still have time freedom? Do we still have some nicer things? Yes. But today my wife mainly is the one that disciplines Says, if you want it, save up the money and we'll go buy it cash but we don't finance it. We don't do any of that kind of stuff. And it, it, it kills me to see awesome people in legal shield that are living the way I lived early on in the business, living way above their means. And then when you have a hiccup and sometimes that just happens, it's not always up and to the right forever. Okay. When you, when you're making hundred thousand dollars a year, but you're living at hundred thousand dollars a year, you barely got your nose out of the water. It only takes one bad month for you to all of a sudden be in um, paranoia mode. And uh, I would just strongly encourage people, if you haven't gotten some financial education from a Dave Ramsey or something else like that, work that into your curriculum. Of We we're always encourage people to read good books, hang out with people that, that make good incomes and learn from them. I couldn't get the wealthy people to hang out with me 20 years ago. So I bought their books. So I went to their seminars. So I listened to their personal development. Then I could start hanging out with them in a CD player in my car. I could hang out with them virtually, uh, you know, on a webinar or something like that. Now, today, I'm a lot better off than I was back then. But now today when I take my leaders and we go out four wheeling or, you know, we go do things like that. A lot of the conversations are about money, about wealth, about creating passive streams of income and doing the right thing, making the right decisions, you know, financially for your business. And so, uh, you guys, it's been, in fact, let me see if I have it right here in my bookshelf. One second. If you're so inclined... One of the audio CD sets that helped me the most on the phone. This is bonus coverage, guys. We're past 830 Central Stand. This is bonus. This is overtime. Okay. It's only going to be a little bit. But one of the audio CDs that I ordered was from Tim Sales. And it was called The Professional Inviter himself's professional inviter. Say the right thing to every prospect. Okay, so this is a six CD set. And, you know, each CD is awesome. Now, I will tell you in this, he records live dials for his company that he's in. He bleeps out the, the name of the company that he's in. He's not in Legal Shield. He's in a different company, okay? He calls people cold call. Now, some of the people on this CD set are not just like not happy that he called him, they're furious and pissed off. How'd you get my phone number? How'd you get it? Yeah, they're like hostile, mad at him he ends up getting them to do a 180 and recruits them in his company. Like if you've struggled a little bit on the phone, what if, what if there were some things you could say or do that changed the way you talked to people to increase your success rate on the phone? It might be business. It might be your relationships going to Thanksgiving dinner this year. It might be talking to your spouse or someone you go to church with or your neighbor or maybe your teenage kids. There are keys to communication success in this audio set that will make you a better human being and just make you better at communicating with people i don't care where you find it i'm not giving you a website a link i'm not here to make any money off you i don't get a dime find it wherever you find it i'm just saying early on in my business professional inviter was with me in my car everywhere i went listened to it nonstop, and um it's fabulous training fabulous training If you, I don't even know if it's in print or if they have even audio editions of it, you might have to find it on eBay used from somebody if you can, but I'm telling you, I dramatically increased my success rate on the phone, talking to people when I learned the skills that he teaches in here. So he'll have a recorded call with say, you know, let's say he calls Manly, he's, goes with the greeting, and then Manly will greet him. And then he'll pause, pause the phone interview with Manly. And he'll say, did you notice the way Manly answered the phone with me? Here's what I can tell you about Manly based on the way he answered his phone. And he'll break it down and analyze Manly just by his tone, how short he was, how nice he was, how friendly he was, whatever it is. Then he'll start in and ask Manly a couple of questions. Then he'll pause it. And then he'll come back on and say, yeah. do you notice... Here's what he says. And here's what he really means. But what I need to find out is why he's giving me this objection. So I'm going to give him two questions to narrow this down. And then he comes back on and you watch him and he is a master communicator, master, the professional inviter. If you want to get good in a day and age where a lot of people don't want you coming to their house, they don't want to come to a business briefing. They don't want to come to a super Saturday. They don't want to catch no virus. Your best bet is talking on the phone, but guess what? You have a lot less time with someone on the phone than you do in person. You meet them at a restaurant, you you get a half hour because, hey, you're ordering food. You get them on the phone, you got a few seconds to build a relationship and get them to stay on the phone with you. How valuable. What is it worth to figure out the success in communicating effectively over the phone? This audio CD set has made me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mr. Wilson. Dave, the question
2: was being asked, uh, what's, the, what's the author's name again? Tim Sales. S-A-L-E-S. Tim Sales, got it. Bam. Bam. Tim sales,
0: same guy that did that wonderful high-definition video that you guys just watched tonight. Same philosophy there on what do wealthy people do with their money on payday? And then this is the professional inviter series. I wasn't even going to tell you guys about that, but right at the end, I thought, hold on one second. That's good for people to, uh, that's that's good for people to know that. So uh, hey Dave, yes. Real quick. The thing that probably helped me the most get to where we're at six figures as earned and really, not in debt, whether we work or not, we're going to make six figures he was the richest man in Babylon. If you can to apply those principles to your life, it's all taken care of. Awesome. There's another, and, and I just, you know, it's funny. You mentioned that Mark, because I just assume that everybody's already read that. I'm like, Richest Man in Babylon. I mean, if you're in network marketing, you've already read that. Come on, share, share with me a pearl of wisdom we don't know. And I'm sorry, I am not trying to mock you if you have not read Richest Man in Babylon. I just thought that that's like network marketing Bible. It's like that's Genesis. Like you just start there, you know, something like that. So thank you very much for for pointing that, that out. Great, great personal. Thought. And you guys, I'm seriously like, we could pull all the ring earners on this call. What do you guys re- read and what are your top five to 10 books? And I'm going to say probably 30 to 40% of the books that we would all put on that list are probably going to be right there in the same categories. You know, you're going to definitely have your rich dad, poor dad from uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. You're going to have your Napoleon Hill. Think and grow rich. You are going to have Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. We're all going to say the same type of things, then there's going to be a few other little things that just really impacted our lives that are just pearls of wisdom that, you know, somebody else shared with me that tipped you off. And tonight's Tim sales is not one of the best known authors out there, but I'm telling you the content of this stuff is absolutely amazing. So we've gone over time and now Jeremy and Stephanie know because we recorded it. We should have cut the recording off at seven thirty and not done this. Okay. But Hey, sorry for going over time, guys. It's been great chatting with you and having all of you guys hang out with us on our little zoom and david frack wow he already ordered the cd set i got people wow terry love says i have the professional inviter series people are texting and messaging there they're already finding them out there and stuff mark my words great stuff you guys thank you all for being on the zoom tonight next sunday night getting started right webinar same link and then next monday Again, back here live with Jeremy and Stephanie M- Have a great week, you guys. Go tear it up, and happy Halloween if I don't see you between now and then. Y'all look great.